it's just the way it is. And uh, uh, we pastor a little church in Queen City, Texas. They're about three hours from here, 20 minutes from Texarkana, Texas. And uh, we've been there probably, we've been pastoring and preaching this message for 18 years. 18 years we've been preaching this message. A guy came in the church a few weeks ago and uh, before church started and he caught me in the back of the church and was trying to tell me a bunch of stuff. And I said, brother, look, the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is the power of God. I said, I've not preached a message in 18 years that wasn't tied to Calvary. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and I preach on Sunday. I preach on Wednesday. I preach, teach on Monday and Friday. So we just, we just always about putting out the word of God because you have to have the word if you're going to have faith. Amen. And you can't live right. if it's not by faith. Right. And faith really is substance. Amen. If there ain't no substance, there can't be no fruit. I don't have faith because I say I got faith. I got faith when there's fruit to see. I got faith. Yeah, it might come. It might come by. It comes by hearing. It don't come by saying. But when it does come, it does speak. It don't come by speaking. It comes by hearing. I said that's what my Bible said. I always have to tell our folks at home. I got a Bible. I'm a Bible believer. Amen. I don't care what people say. I got a Bible, and I'm a Bible believer. So again, it's good to be here tonight, and we're going to talk a little bit tonight about encountering the cross of Christ. My 23-year-old son is a preacher also, and he just moved from Baton Rouge, and he's back home with us now. And this past week, on last, not Sunday this week, but last week and then Wednesday night, he ministered, and he said in his messages that your encounter with the cross yes. cannot just be an initial encounter for salvation. Right. It cannot be. It cannot be. If it is, then your life will never be what it could have been, magnifying Christ and glorifying God. And uh, that's, that's a very powerful statement that we encounter the cross every day or we're not encountering God. Amen. And tonight we'll see that in the Word because yes. I, my Word, your words, our thoughts, they mean absolutely nothing. Right. We have to have the Word of God. God, God says line upon line, precept upon precept. He didn't say you can throw your two cents in between the lines. He didn't say you can put your counsel in between the precepts. He said line upon line. And a, a lady told me one time, she said, Curtis, you, you just need to learn to read between the lines. I said, no, that's where the devil is, in between the lines. God said there ain't nothing in between the lines and in between his precepts. It's just lines and precepts that he's spoken. And God said he will perform form all his counsel. He didn't say you and I would. He said he would speak his counsel and he would perform all that pleases him. So I get to experience his performance. He's not looking for mine. I'm looking for what he is performing and that's his word. And that's not just whatever I want it to be. Amen. And we'll see some beautiful truths tonight in the Word of God. I know we will. And uh, he's always faithful about depositing truth in the hearts of those who have spirit-taught hearts. Amen. Now, you got to have a spirit-taught heart. That means you can't, you're not going to learn anything from me. That's right. 
I can't teach you anything, but I can share the word. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the imparter of the truth. And when he imparts truth into our hearts, the result of that is our feet will be in it. We'll have more when we leave tonight than saying, wow, I really like that. I, I enjoyed that tonight. No, you'll have something when you lay down tonight, when you go to bed, that will be stirring in your heart. The Holy Spirit doesn't let you alone in his own tender way. He's speaking. He's applying. He's stirring. He's trying to get it imparted into our hearts so that he can get our feet in it. Because he likes to see us walking in truth. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How many of you know the scriptures about, and we've quoted it all time. God, he's so faithful, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. We're going to look at that scripture first tonight in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 is where we'll begin this little short journey tonight. I don't have but three scriptures here, but you'll hear 103. Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that doesn't really make much sense when we think about the things we have and then he talks about he won't leave us or forsake us. The things we have, the most important thing we have is him. He's dwelling in us as believers and he says, I won't leave, I won't fail you, I won't forsake you. Even when you fail and you forsake me, I won't fail and I won't forsake you. We do fail. We we have forsaken the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know you have. Now, we've not forsaken the great truth of Christ and what he did. We'd never forsake that. I hope we wouldn't. But we do forsake the Lord at times. We have moments that we forsake the Lord. Amen. Amen. If, if, If our mind would have been on what it should have been on, and we'll see what that is tonight in the Scriptures, then we wouldn't have done what we did. We wouldn't have said what we said. We wouldn't have cheated on that form, but 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 we did. Why? Because we weren't beholding the Lamb. Oh, we believe in the cross. Oh, we believe in the Lamb. But we got to have lives that are moment by moment trusting in the Lamb. What the Lamb did for us, what He provided for us. Amen. And when we know this, when we're born again and we're walking with the Lord, then we've got to understand He ain't going nowhere that you ain't going to. Hallelujah. I mean, wherever He is, there you are. In God's plan, He saw you because you put your faith in His Son's sacrifice. He saw you, literally, He saw it all at once. He saw you crucified with His Son. Doesn't the Bible say we were crucified with Him? Doesn't the Bible say we were buried with Him? Doesn't the Bible say we were raised to newness of life with Him? Doesn't the Bible say we have been ascended with Him and made to sit together in Him in heavenly places? This is all a done deal. 
Oh, we're here, but we're there, and we were there. We were crucified, we were buried, and we were risen with him, and we have ascended, and we are seated with him now in heavenly places. That's a reality. Whether you believe it or not, let me say tonight, you believing it doesn't make it real. It's real whether you believe it or not. It just gets real to you when you do. And the church needs to wake up and begin to take a hold of what's real. You got to take a hold of what's real. It's not by confessing it with your lips. It's not by going and working for it. When God saved us, He seated us immediately. We're not working up to a seated position. When we were born again, we were buried, resurrected, ascended us and seated. It all happened at once. We're not working our way to somewhere. The work is finished and perfect and we arrived when we got saved in our position. But now in our condition, you hang around with me for a few minutes and you'll see you've got a ways to go, son. We all got a ways to go here, but we're already a completed work. Does not the Bible say we're complete in Him? Amen. Amen. What is that, Colossians 2 and 10? We're complete, not we're going to be. We are complete in Him. That's now. But we got to keep our faith in that which made us complete. You can't move your faith from the sacrifice. You can't put your faith in the words you speak. You can't put even the things the Bible tells us that we need to be doing when we're doing them. We cannot put our faith in what we're doing. I can't put my faith in a preacher. I can't put my faith in the congregation. I can't put my faith in my putting money in the offering plate. There's only one place God lets me put my faith, and the Bible says it's in Christ. That's what it says. It, there's no other place for your faith to be. And you say, well, I thought that, that the Word of God, it's so large, it's, there's a lot written in the Word of God, and faith comes by hearing. Yeah, but I want to show you something just for a second, if we could tonight. About You need to really hear this tonight. It will help you in an amazing way. The Bible says in Proverbs 8 and 8, that all of God's words are in righteousness. All of them. All of God's words are in righteousness. That means they're not outside of the righteous context. All of you got to get this tonight. All of God's words are in righteousness. Okay, are we good? We're Bible believers, right? It says it. That's we believe it. So all of God's words are in righteousness, and His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. His righteousness is revealed in the gospel to those who are going from faith to faith. Yes, hallelujah. So, so let's look at those two scriptures just for a min- minute. I didn't really plan on saying this, but the Lord knows what I need to say. Amen. Listen, all of God's words, that means all of your Bible is in righteousness. And His righteousness is revealed in the gospel. That means when you're trying to handle the Word of God, 
Outside of its gospel context, which is Christ and him crucified, we are mishandling the word. And not only that, faith cannot come. Peter writes that this this like precious faith that we've obtained, it comes through righteousness. If you're taking notes, that's 2 Peter 1 and 1. And I hope you would go home and look at these things because you have to be, listen, you have to be believers of truth and not just what men are declaring. While men are declaring this and decreeing that, God is still declaring His righteousness. And He's promised you that if you seek His kingdom and His righteousness before everything else, that He will add everything to your life that you need. He says if you hunger and thirst after His righteousness, you will be filled. He says if you learn to love His righteousness, He will pour the the oil of gladness upon your heart. So you see, it is all about God's righteousness. It's all about God's righteousness. And Romans 3, 25 and 26, don't turn there, write it down, look at it later. It says that God's righteousness was declared from the cross. Declared from the cross. Nowhere else. So my point right now is this. Everything in your Bible has to be seen through the lens of Calvary. Amen. Amen. That light keeps going off, but this light never does. Hallelujah. This light stays on. I tell our folks at home, listen, if you can't sleep at night, turn the light on before you go to bed. Turn the news channel off and turn the light on and then go to bed. Let the light shine in your heart. And then go to bed. Forget all this stuff in the news and all this political stuff. All that stuff is there to get my mind off what God says I must be looking at. The devil, the world, and our own lustful flesh, I have to add that, is trying to distract us from the very object of faith that crucified us to the world and the world to us. If we get our mind off Jesus and what he did at Calvary, we're already backing up. Amen. You're never standing still. You're moving forward or you're backsliding. You're never just still. You're moving one way or the other. So I wanted to share that. Now, this is just an intro tonight. This is just an intro. I didn't plan on giving you. That is a nugget what you just got. Listen. Listen. All God's words are in righteousness. But His righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. That's why I ain't never preached a message in 18 years It wasn't tied to the cross. Romans 1.18 says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of who? Those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Proverbs 12 and 17 says, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. But a what does it say? A false witness. Deceit. Deceit. Mm. 
a false witness will open this Bible and, and tell you what the Bible says and point you to something other than the cross for the object of your faith. And when they do that, that's deceitful. That's the word out of its righteous context. And faith can't come, only flesh can be stirred up. So don't forget that. That's very important. That's very important. The church doesn't like this. What well, I'm sharing. Most don't want to hear this. You see, they're not knocking the door down to get in here tonight. The gospel is not a familiar and a, a likable thing in the church anymore. It's not. Just tell me what I'm going to get next week from God. Just tell me money cometh, money cometh. Just tell me. Just tell. Preach to me. Appease my flesh. And they don't like the message of the cross. The church does not like the message of the cross. If a gospel preacher comes to town preaching what the Bible says is the power of God, you're going to find just a minute few people there, like the Esther, even fewer. But now, if some so called prophet comes to town who's famous on TV, you won't get them all in the building. And they all want a word. God said, I already sent my word. I already gave my son. He's my living word. I sent him to the cross to lay his life down. And if that ain't good enough, you ain't getting nothing. You ain't getting nothing. It's all pretend and make-believe outside of faith in the sacrifice of Christ. You do know that's where you first heard God. Through the gospel. The gospel's the message of the cross. That's where, that's where you first heard God. He speaks from heaven, Hebrews 12 says, through the blood of his son that speaks better things than that of Abel. You first heard him when he was preaching the cross to you. And you met Jesus when you accepted what he did on the cross for you. Amen. And you were immersed into his death when you believed upon him. And you were buried with him all in the twinkling of an eye. And you were raised with him. And you were ascended with him. And you're seated with him. All that's a reality. But you got to understand, listen, we can't be like the ten spies out of the twelve that got sent into the promised land not to see if they could get it. God already said, I'm getting Giving it to you. God already said it's yours. And 10 come back out and said, no, we can't do it. How much of the church today, they, we, we can't do that. We can't have all this. I can't live as though I'm ascended and seated with Christ. I'm here. And all these excuses, all these excuses. And that's why we heap to ourselves with these itching ears. We have these preachers that will just tell us what we want to hear instead of what God's already told us that we need to hear. Amen. So God tells us in the scripture we read that he will never leave me nor ever forsake me. So if that's a reality and God is here now and he's not going to fail me and he's not going to forsake me, he's, he's here now because he's, he said, I'll never leave you. That means he's here now. Right, right, right. Can we believe that tonight? If he'll never leave me, then he's here now. And he's not here to disappoint me. He's here 
to show me his strength on my behalf. Even here in this little small gathering tonight. He knows there's not big gatherings and where big gatherings are, 99.9% of the time, he's not there. I mean, he's in believers, but they won't, listen, this is a scary thing. He can be in you by his spirit, but you not be in fellowship with him. You do know that's in the Bible, right? The church of Laodicea. It's the church of Laodicea. Let me say it again. The church of Laodicea. That means they have the spirit of the Son of God. But Jesus is not fellowshipping with them. He's knocking on the door to get back into fellowship with those who have his spirit but are not in fellowship with him. So wherever we are, there he is. But just because you have the presence of God doesn't mean you have the approval of God. Come on, Amen. Man, preacher. Amen, brother. Amen. Make it Amen, pastor. Make it plain. Teach, brother. Teach. Thank you, Lord. Just because you have God's presence doesn't mean that you have his approval. You have been approved through faith in the blood of his son. And any fruit that takes place in our lives, he has to approve that and justify that as righteous or he will not. It has to be righteous fruit. In Antioch, Peter plays the part of a hypocrite. Paul stands and rebukes him, the Bible says in Galatians 2, face to face. Now, Peter was as righteous as he ever was. He was justified by the blood. He was saved and on his way to heaven, but his fruit wasn't righteous. Because he heard there was some men coming who were still trying to tell everybody, you're really not saved unless you do this, unless you get circumcised. And today, it's a lot of things worse than that. And the preacher today would say, if you want God to deliver you from that, you need to do these three things. And listen, I'm speaking from experience. I used to be one of them. I used to be a blab it and grab it, a greed person. I used to be part of that group. And God had to take everything I had materially, bankruptcy and through all that hard times to get my attention back to Calvary so that I could stand here on a beautiful night in Warren, Arkansas with a beautiful group of saved people who really want to know what it means to live for God. How do I please God? I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But I got things going on that shouldn't be going on. I got some things that should be going on that are not going on. And I'm tired of it. I know there's a possibility for me to be able to please God because I'm a Christian. And the Bible tells me it is. And see, when you have a heart like that, just as Paul had, God showed him, the Lord gave him the revelation of the cross. That's where it came from. The Lord gave it to Paul and he's given it to us written down and there's not a second option. If you want to live for God, you got to have faith in that same thing that saved you when he saved you. Or you're going the wrong way and there won't be any Holy Spirit power there. There won't be any Holy Spirit power there. You can go stand all day long and you can do all the jitterbug and the quake and the shake and you can call it God. God, but at the end of the day, you hadn't got any proof that that was God. 
The only proof you've got that God's working in your life is if the fruit of what's happening in your life comes from the Word of God through your faith in what Jesus did in Calvary because that's all He works through. Have you ever heard the Scripture in the New Testament, Romans 8 and 2? For the law of the Spirit. Come on now. For the law of the spirit of life. In the law of the spirit. Oh yeah, you, 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 you thought because we're not in the Old Testament that there ain't no law no more. Oh, there's law. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that did what? Made us free from the law of sin and death. And see, that's the cross all in that. Because where were you made free from the law of sin and death? At Calvary. Amen. Amen. There ain't no power in the word cross. Power's in what your Savior did at the cross. There ain't no power in you speaking nothing. The reason the Bible says the preaching of the cross is the power of God is because the preaching of the cross is where a lost person can believe and be born again. It's where a saved person can can continue to look upon that, that they're being made conformable to. Hallelujah. Mm. So he won't leave me. He won't forsake me. So what's he doing while he's on board here? That's the question. What's he doing? He's not just along for the ride. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that said, God's my co-pilot? How sad that is. He's my pilot. Hallelujah. And for the most of the church, he is the co-pilot. I'll let you know when I need you. They even sing in songs out there today that say, when I can't fight, he comes and fight for me. Listen, if I'm fighting without him... It makes me, some of these songs make me think I got it going on sometimes without him, but I need him. Some, no, I need him every moment. There ain't a moment in my life I don't need him. Every moment. Everybody say moment by moment. Moment by moment. Ooh, y'all said that good tonight. Moment Christianity is moment by moment. It ain't from Sunday to Sunday. It ain't Wednesday to Wednesday. It's from sun up to sundown. It's 24 7. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So what's he doing when he's here? What's he doing? What's he doing? I'm going to show you in the Word what he's doing. I want to know what my God's doing. He's not just showing up every once in a while. That was old covenant. He showed up every once in a while and he spoke through the prophets. He gave the law. He did wonderful miracles that Jesus said all testified of him. Hallelujah. All of, and then he'd have to leave because he can't indwell a human being where the sin nature is ruling and hadn't been put away yet. But when Jesus died, he defeated that. He condemned the sin nature in his own flesh, and now we're able to have the Holy Spirit who never leaves. He never leaves. When you go to bed, he's there, and guess what the good news is? Tomorrow when the sun comes up, he hadn't been sleeping, and he's there waiting on you. He's there waiting on you to visit with you. I'm going to show you that in the Bible. Who won't see that tonight? Job chapter 7 is our second verse out of 3. 
3, Job chapter 7, verse 17 and 18 tonight. I know this is Old Covenant, but it's very relevant for the New. The Bible says in the New Covenant that you need to read the Old Covenant because you can find hope from the Scriptures there. And my Lord, who wouldn't read the Old Covenant when Jesus said it testifies of Him? I want to know all I can about my Lord. I want to know all I can about my Jesus. And the old scripture, you know, when the Bible says in the beginning, that's Jesus. Because he said, I'm the beginning. When the first words out of the Bible is about Jesus in the beginning. He said, I'm the beginning. It starts with him. It ends with him. And if anything's going on worth anything, it's including him. Didn't he say that? You can do nothing without me. Job 7, 17. Everybody there tonight? Job 7, 17. What is man that you should magnify him and that you should set your heart upon him and that you should visit him every morning? That's beautiful, isn't it? But watch this last part. And try him every moment. Oh, we're going to ride this. We're going to ride this. What's he doing? Oh, we like that first part. And we, we ought to like the second part. Oh, he's there every morning. You see how we get all mushy into that. He's there every morning. His mercies are tender every morning. Oh, That's all true. And we ought to be like that because that's true. His mercies are new and tender every morning. And he's there waiting when you awake to visit with you. And he's your husband. I hope you're talking to your husband. I hope you're in fellowship with the one you're married to every morning. But watch. He visits us every morning. And he tries us every moment. This needs to be highlighted in your Bible. And better than that, you need to let the Holy Spirit put it in your heart tonight. He's trying right now. You're not going to escape this. You're not going to escape this. You're not ever going to forget this. This is a truth that when people hear this, they are there. What I mean by there, you're not getting away from this now. To him, to whom much is given, much is knowledge. When God gives you knowledge, He requires that you do something with it. So he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So what's he doing? When people want to ask, well, what's God doing? He's trying you right now. Well, what's that mean? What's that mean? I need to know what that means. What does it mean that God's trying me? He's not tempting you to sin because he said he'd never do that. That's what the world does. That's what the devil does. That's what our own lustful flesh does. But our Savior, our God, will never tempt us to sin. But he does try us. He tries us. Well, how often does he try me? Every moment. Now I gotta ask it again. Do we have any Bible believers in the house tonight? This ain't something you escape from once you hear it. This is something right here that causes our hearts to be broken more because now, now when we do the big piece of stupid that we do, the Holy Spirit says, I'm trying you right now. I'm trying you right now. But what does that mean? How does God try me? Because it's not different for everybody. 
Y'all do understand that the Bible says we're supposed to be of one mind, of one spirit. We're supposed to be, Philippians 1.27, we're supposed to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. Not the faith of something else. The faith of the gospel. If that's what we're striving for, we can be together. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or if you're poor. If you're white as a ghost like me or as black as an ace of spades or as brown as whoever or yellow or white. We can be together if we're striving together for the faith of the gospel because that's our focus and that is what he's trying me for to see if I will keep believing what I very first believed that allowed him to move inside of this vessel what allowed him to justify me what allowed him to wash me clean what allowed him to put me in a path of righteousness and to set a race before me to prepare a place for me to seat me with him in heavenly places will I keep my faith in the one exclusive object that he gave me to put it in which was the death of Jesus. Only the death of Jesus. That is what he is always trying us to see. That's what he's trying me every moment. Because he knows I need him every moment. It's in the moment. See the reality of this this Christian life, it's only in those moments that I'm not accepting what he's doing in his trying me that I get myself in trouble, that I start looking at something or someone that I shouldn't be looking at that way. When I listen to things that I shouldn't be listening to, but then I keep listening to them, and then I go and share them that while I'm do while I'm doing that, I am not beholding the Lamb. Oh, I believe in the cross, but while I'm doing those things and making spiritual excuses for those things, I am not beholding the Lamb. I can say cross, I can say Jesus, and ain't going to change nothing. I got to keep my heart surrendered, my heart surrendered to that one object of faith where Jesus dealt with what's going on in my life. If it's my mouth, he crucified that mouth problem. If it's a lusting problem, he dealt with it 2,000 years ago. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's, a, if it's greed for money or fame or riches or honor, he put that selfish thing away at Calvary. You see, the devil is not your biggest problem. You are. Amen. I am my biggest problem. And Jesus dealt with that at Calvary. And the devil, he took the power of death, which is separation, away from the devil in his death. And he put away the old man that I used to be. And as long as I keep my faith anchored, not me saying it's there, as long as my heart is yielded to that, you've got to fight the good fight of faith to keep your faith in the cross. Amen. 
You've got to fight the good fight of faith to keep your faith in the death of Jesus. That's where your union with Him is. It ain't in saying I love you. It's not in saying I believe. It's in believing. And that happens in the heart. It's with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Then the mouth will say the right stuff. Amen. So He won't leave me. He won't forsake me. But what's He doing? He's there to visit me every moment. But in His visiting me, He's trying me. He's trying me. Moment by moment. There's never a moment in your life that God is not trying you. And let me say it again before we move on. It's because in those moments that we're not trusting in the one we say we know and what he, we say we believe He did, it's only in those moments our hearts aren't yielded to that that we do the things we shouldn't be doing or we don't do the things we should be doing. You can't just make up your mind to serve God. You can't just have a New Year's resolution. What the church need is a New Year revelation. It ain't a new revelation. It's the same age-old revelation. God rushed into the Garden of Eden. When we sinned, we were in Adam, by the way. When we sinned, God rushed into the Garden and He preached the cross to Adam and Eve and the devil. He said to the devil... The seed of the woman is going to crush your head and you'll bruise his heel. That's what happened at Calvary. That's it. That's it. Because women don't have seed. We men carry the seed. He was talking about a virgin birth when he showed up when we sinned. And he brought the promise of the seed of the woman that would be bruised, yes, by the devil, but in the devil bruising him, he would crush the devil's head and take the power of death away from him. You do know Jesus didn't have to go to hell to take the keys away from the devil. Don't listen to somebody preaching that lie. Jesus did it all at Calvary and finished it all at Calvary and perfected it all at Calvary. He said He did. Again, do we have Bible believers in the house tonight? When He said it was finished, it was finished. Amen. So He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So what's that mean? If He's here, what's He doing? He's visiting us tonight. And He's trying us tonight. And when we leave here, He'll still be trying us because He tries us every moment. Alright, now here comes where the rubber is going to really meet the highway here because we're going to see what it is that God's trying us. Because when God is trying us, which the Bible says is every moment, He's trying us so He can see what we're looking at, what we're trusting in, what we're holding to. That's why He's trying us. He ain't trying you to see if you'll be nice to your wife. If He's trying you and you learn what it is He's doing in His trying you every moment, and you, you and listen, if you find that in the truth and you get involved in that as a child of God, you're going to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. You're going to submit to your own husband. You're going to raise your children in the admonition, admonition of the Lord. Listen, you if you trying to love people, that ain't never going to work. 
He's trying to see if you'll stay connected where he first connected you so that you won't have to work hard to love people. He can love them through you. Second hmm. Corinthians 4.11. This is where we're going. This is where the Lord has had us for months now. Of course, this scripture is tied to every other scripture because the word always is there. God always is trying to us, and this scripture tells us something beautiful, something very beautiful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. Everybody there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 says, For we which live, everybody say, That's me. Are you alive in Christ? That's you. He's writing this to the Corinth, the, uh, the Corinthian Christians. This is to us saved people. So watch. This is powerful. For we which live are always delivered unto death. How often? Always. always. There's never a moment that God is not delivering you unto death. He's not delivering you unto the resurrection. That's right. He's not delivering you to the throne. Come on now. That's not in your Bible. That's That's not in your Bible. What is in your Bible is that your God, the Holy Spirit, is always delivering you unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that what He did in His death won't be vain for every moment of your life. I need Jesus. I'm not trying to sound good as a preacher. I can't do it. I do need Jesus. And I need him moment by moment. I need him to be a minister. I need him to be a husband. I need him to be a father. I need him just walking by people on the street. I I can't do anything without him. And the context of what he taught there in John 15, 5 is that I cannot bear any fruit without him. Not one ounce of fruit without him. And with him, the Bible says with him, we can do all things through him. And with Him, what Romans 8.32 says, we get everything freely. Only with Him, though. If He's outside knocking to get in, you're not with Him in your condition. You are with Him in your position in heavenly places because that's a done deal and you are positioned there. But you also are here and you have a condition. I'll ask you tonight, are you with Him? Are you with Him now? Are you with Him? He's with you. Are you with Him? Because to be with Him is to be in fellowship with Him. And that's not just some uh, vain imagination that, that I can just do it however I want to. Uh, we, we, we in fellowship with the Lord by faith in the sacrifice. So watch this. It's beautiful to those who are learning the way of Calvary. You do know that you have been saved and given resurrection power, right? But the resurrection power of Christ, the resurrected life of Christ, is to live the crucified life. Does the the Bible not say in Romans that we are to present ourselves living what? How often? Moment by moment. Well, y'all ain't going to believe what she said to me. I ain't got to put up that now. (laughs) 
Y'all see what they did? I ain't got to put up that. Where's God? He's there trying you. Can I, can I tell you something in love tonight? God's more concerned about your response to Him instead of what they're doing to you. Amen. Because He's trying you every moment. It don't matter what they did to us. It hurt. It wasn't good. And you just leave that to the Lord. He'll deal with all that. Amen. And, and we've done enough bad our own selves. Amen. Some of y'all act like you ain't, but I know you You like me just like me. You got the same flesh body on you I got on me. I know what we can do. For we which live, that's me, are always, always, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Now your Bible teaches you you can't manifest Jesus unless you're accepting where God's delivering you always. You can't tell me that God hadn't ushered this message back in to the church some 20-something, six, seven years ago. This message came rushing back into the church. Most still hadn't heard it. And most at how don't want to hear it again. Because let me tell you something about the message of the cross. It removes you and presents Jesus. Amen. And I, I'm, I'm not being ugly, but most of the church, they don't really want to talk about Jesus. They might say his name every once in a while, but when they hear this, I've preached this. Amen. And preachers have said, I ain't listening to nothing he got to say. Amen. I ain't said nothing that ain't in the Bible. That's right. But they ain't listening to this. You know why? Because they trust in in itself. It's either I'm yielded to the sacrifice of Christ and what he did, ain't but one other option, and that's trust in me. It's me or him. That's it. And the cross removes the problem. Yeah. Me. That's it. Amen. Mm -hmm. Let's read it again. It's such a beautiful word. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Jesus cannot be manifest through your mortal flesh just because you're being nice to somebody. You see, it's not about what we think or picture in our minds. It's about what this Bible says. And my Bible, your Bible says that the only way to express Jesus is the flow of the Spirit doing it through you out of that death. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that God's working peace and joy and patience in you. Y'all know that? We've been so far away from what the Bible says, just sitting out there listening to folk like a bunch of puppets, just going, Amen, preach out! Amen. Preach on! Preach on. <coughs> there you go. It ain't holy water, but it'll help. Hallelujah. I've been in all that. I done been in all that. I done been all the laughter stuff. I done been all the flipping and rolling and shaking. And, and at the end of the day, wasn't nobody growing. All we was doing is giving all our money away. 
and for what? Let me tell you tonight, there ain't but one door God reached through to get you. And anything you're offering him has got to go back through that same door. He ain't accepting it. That heart that's yielded to Calvary, then that money you give, he'll honor that giving. He'll honor that. That worship that you're giving him, if it ain't back through that door he reached for you through, he ain't accepting none of it. That spirit and truth through that door that Jesus became in his death. And after hearing a message like this tonight, I believe the Holy Spirit will begin to show you many, many things in the Word of God as just to why it is He has to deliver you to death always. Because it's the only place your faith works. It's the only place you can express Jesus. It's the only place that allows you to experience being seated with Him. You can declare that all day long, but there is an experience, my friends, that comes from knowing through faith in the sacrifice that you are seated with Christ Jesus. And the view from there looks a lot better than the view here. Amen. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can find this Bible verse right quick. I didn't have but three here in my in my message for this evening. But I'll try to find this and share it with you. It says something along the lines of while we look not at. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's in 2 Corinthians, isn't it? It is chapter 4 right here where we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at this in verse 17. For our light affliction is but for a what? God's trying you ever what? For our light affliction is but for a moment, working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at, that's when this is happening. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You don't see Christ in the natural being crucified. We were not there. You see that by faith. You accept that by faith. And when you accept that by faith, you're born again. And that born again experience is far more than we'll ever be able to explain all the benefits that came with it. But it's while we look not at these things that are temporary, but at the things which are eternal, which is who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary, you do understand that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he is the centerpiece of all God's dealings with men. Amen. And these are beautiful words I'm about to share with you, and they can be confirmed in the Scripture. But at the cross in Jesus dying, he, he literally became the end. He says, I'm the end, right? Amen. I'm the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. At the cross in his dying, Jesus became the end of everything he once began. And in the same moment, he became the new and everlasting he, he became everything that would be new. He became the beginning that's eternal. I'll get it right in a minute. In his death, he didn't just put an end to it. 
in his death, everything of the old creation ended. We hadn't seen the fullness of that yet, but we will. And in his death, he became the eternal beginning that will never be ended. All that happened in his death. He, in, he pulled the curtain on the devil. He pulled the curtain on the sin nature. He pulled the curtain on everything of the old creation and not one part of that can make it into the new. When he made you a new creation, he didn't use anything of your past. You are completely new. We need to remember these things. So let's get back up here in verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death. Okay, when did I start? About 10 after? I got 10 minutes. I'll preach all night. I got to quit 10 minutes. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Notice it says for Jesus' sake. Well, why is it for Jesus' sake? Because he wants to live through you. Are we not told in the Bible that I'm crucified with Christ, yet I'm living? But wait a minute, it's not me anymore. Now it's Christ that's living in me. That's it. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave. See, there's the cross. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. If you try to get away from Calvary, and the church is, I've had people leave me. I'm tired of hearing about the cross. I, why can't he? And, they, and preachers have said this to me. Why can't you just let prayer be about prayer? Let repentance be about repentance, and let the cross just be about the cross. But God says He's always trying me, and He's always delivering me under the death of Jesus. Everything is about the cross to God. Behold the Lamb. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. For we which live are always. Everybody say always. always. That means there's never a moment that God's not delivering you unto death, the death of Jesus, because the life He offers now, even today, not just initially, the life of Jesus only flows moment by moment out of His death. And again, you, you have that life within you, but you can't express it unless you are surrendered from the heart to this place God is delivering you. Amen. God's not delivering you somewhere else to get something done. He's delivering you always to the cross so He can carry out what He wants done. Hallelujah. It ain't about us. It's about Him. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not about us. We're blessed just to be a part uh, of what God is doing. And a small part that is. A very small part. Our lives are but a vapor. And we need to get busy about the things of God. Amen. Watch. Amen. Let's keep reading. This is where we'll close tonight here in the scripture where we are. So then verse 12 says, So then death works in us. Not peace, not joy. Not patience. Death. Out of death comes peace and joy. And Out of death comes everything. Out of death comes the fruit of the Holy Ghost. He ain't working all these different things. He's working. He's working death in us. 
He's working death in us, but life in you through us. The ministry of the church is that of reconciliation. We've been reconciled by the blood. Amen. The Bible says that he's committed his word of reconciliation, not get rich financially. He's committed his word of reconciliation to us and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the cross. God don't reconcile nobody at any time without them surrendering to the truth of the cross. People running around talking about what God did and God did this and God did that. And then when they get out there in the mully grubs and have all that horrible stuff, I'm saying, where's God now? Oh, somebody gave them $10,000. Now they tell them, well, God did this and God did that. God works only on the grounds of what His Son did at Calvary. Amen. Amen. That's it. Look at verse 12. I, I, I do pray the Lord just just make you tap your foot trying to get to sleep tonight over all this. Lord, I need to see this more. I need to see more of this. You're here with me right now. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Even right now, you're trying me. When I get up in the morning, that's a good thing. That ain't a bad thing. That's a good thing because He's trying us. He's trying to get us to keep seeing and grabbing a hold of what His Son did at Calvary so that we won't keep doing the things we shouldn't be doing. And so bless God that we can start doing what we should be doing. So we got to accept this as truth. So then, death works in us, but life in you. If you're not menaced, listen, you, if somebody's got a problem, and I was this way for years, if, if, if they had a problem, I could throw a scripture right out there. Whatever your problem is, I got a word for it right here. I, man, I, I've been studying this book. This year in June will be 30 years. I've been in this book almost every day of 30 years. And I know what the Bible says, but it ain't been but the last 18 years that I know what the Bible means. And that's where the church is. They can quote scripture. You can come and you can tell me what your problem is. And I can say, God, I got a word for you right here, sister, right there. Look at here. But if you don't end up at Calvary, this ain't nothing but the law of the letter. But listen, this word's got to be dipped in the blood of Jesus to be imparted into your heart. You can learn to quote it, and you can get up and look good. You can sound good, and people give you money because you look good and sound good. And you can quote scripture, but just one after the other. You can put on a good show and entertain the people, but you got to get them looking where God's always pointing to. You got to get them. You got to use the word to get them. That's what you know. All we are is preachers, brother Woods. That's right. I got it right, didn't I? All we are is like cheerleaders. We just like pointing, pointing. We use the word to point. To, to where God is delivering us. How often? Always. I got to use the word. Jesus is the living word. That word didn't come life, become life in me till I accepted what he did at Calvary. Amen. And then he began to live in me Amen. as the living word of God. Amen. So watch. I got three minutes. Y'all better hurry. So then death works in us, but life in you. This is ministry talk. If you're going to minister to somebody the Word of God, it's got to end up at Calvary. If it don't end up at Calvary, you just talking. And you crying together. 
and you loving each other. I cried with people. I'll tell this story. Before I quit tonight, years ago, before I knew how the cross of Christ pertained to our moment-by-moment living, I was just like every other preacher in this country and the world. They, they, uh, There would be people who came up the aisle, this one couple one day, their teeth half gone. I mean, you could tell the world done ate them up alive. It was a mama and a daddy. They had kids. They came walking up, man. They were in bad shape. And they came walking up there and they said, Preacher, if you don't tell us how to get free from all this, we, we ain't going to make it. We done about lost everything and we going to lose it all. And I told him, I grabbed a hold of him and I was crying with them. I cared about them. I wanted them to be free, but I told them this. I said, well, you need to get in church every week. You need to study the word. You need to start giving God the tithes and offerings. Now, all those things are right, are they not? But they can't deliver. They can't save. They can't do that. So I helped to bury, listen, it's a sad thing, but I helped to bury them deeper in their bondage. That's what preachers do. They either offer the life through the death or they offer tighter chains of bondage not even knowing they're doing it. They're preaching the cross or they're preaching themselves. Most don't know they're doing it, but I do. Peter didn't know what was going on in Antioch, but Paul penned this in the book of Galatians. He said, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. See, when you are beholding the Lamb, you're going to see things, not for the sake of judging and condemning, but you're going to see things that you would have, your discernment is going to be at a much higher level. If you're not looking to and through the sacrifice of Christ, I'm not being ugly, but we're still on the milk. No, I don't care if a preacher's been preaching 55 years. If he's not pointing to Calvary all the time, he's keeping his kids in that congregation on the milk. I better quit. What I came to say tonight, I said. God sent me to say what I said. Because it's his word and it's relevant for right now. It's relevant, he says, for every moment. We can learn all the word, but if we are actually learning it, that means we're living it. Learning the word is not just learning to say what it says. It's learning to accept it. Jesus taught it. It's that, it's that good ground that hears the word, receives the word, keeps the word, and with patience, brings forth the fruit of the word. Amen. This, is a, this is a timely word Amen. for all of us, every one of us. These beautiful people that I've never met before. Can I tell you tonight that I love you? That's all right. Love you too. Because this is the true message of love. Amen. They say I need to be more loving. And I maybe I do. 
But this message is the message of love. And I do. I love you. I don't know you. I, I, I know your name, Sister Anna. Did I get it right? My memory's working good tonight. Thank you, Lord. But we, we don't have to have known each other a long time. And we don't have to have the same backgrounds or the same anything except where we're looking and what we're touching with the heart. Then the Bible says we can be of the same mind, of the same spirit, striving together for together for the faith of the gospel. And guess what the Bible says then will happen? We'll be speaking the same thing. How can we be speaking the same thing? That's a big old Bible. Because it don't matter where we at in it, we speaking the same thing. Christ and him crucified. Would you stand with me this evening? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord.